need to, who was here last week? I know there was a lot of people gone last week as well. Okay. John shared on praying the scriptures. Um, is that correct? All right. Was that helpful for those of you who had been here for the first two weeks that he shared? Can anybody just um, speak out what was helpful about that? Because I think that, I wanna, here's what I'm going to do. I want to take just a couple minutes to talk about the idea of that passage from, from Matthew 24 and 25. Make sure that practically, I feel like John preached a six-week sermon in two weeks. Um, and so there's a lot there. And, and being hearers of the word without knowing how to do it is not really valuable. Um, so... If you have some feedback, speak out loudly. We're trying to try to record this um, so we can send it out. Or, better idea, I'll bring the mic to you, and uh, I'll use another one. We can just pass this one around. Let's see what I can remember. <laughs> um, I really appreciated that he talked about the importance of speaking the scriptures aloud and how when we hear it, you know, that really affects change in our spirits. And then just gave like really practical examples of like ways that we could pray the scripture like he gave like if you look in the book you'll see them um so i think and we did have a little bit of discussion about like how some people are more verbal than others and so like the difference between what does it mean to pray internally versus pray externally and i think we concluded that both are very valid and necessary and important and I personally think that some people it's going to be a lot easier to pray out loud because if you process things out loud, then that's going to be more natural for you. But I think John was just making a very strong exhortation towards all of us learning to practice because there is uh, life and death, right? Our tongue has the power of life and death. So what we say, we're speaking life over ourselves. So I was talking to John about this um, right when we were finishing up. I said, John, do you think people got the main point? And he said, well, I want people to recognize that it's not just hearing the word aloud. It's also listening to what God is saying as you pray his word aloud. Like, as you pray aloud, listening for what God is speaking in those moments. And I was like, man, I wish he would have said that during the, <laughs> during the time. But... I was just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, as we're praying the word aloud, okay, God, what are you saying to me? Right, he was talking a lot about thankfulness and the importance of just reminding yourself, like, wow, God, really, I thank you so much. Like, I think just being present with the Lord was a lot of what John was sharing. And so it was, it was I thought it was helpful relating back to just what he shared the previous few weeks because it allowed to take something... I know a lot of people said, wow, this time with John really sharpened me to want to press into making sure I have set aside time with the Lord. I thought this was a good way. I mean, I feel like John could have shared for three more weeks about it, but it felt like it was a good way to, to okay. As, I mean, John has said he's been doing this for the past at least 20 years. He said at least since he was age 30, and I know he's in his late 50s now, so at least since he was in his early 30s. And so um, I just, I was encouraged to be like, wow, this is... I've watched him do it. I've been with him in person as he's done it. He'll stop in New Wilmington and take a picture of the sunset, right? And so I've, I've seen him both testify to it just from a public way, and I've also been with him in those moments. And so. So I was not here last week, but this past week, ironically, I did not know that. What that's what he was talking about. But there was really specifically. Um, telling me like pray different prayers that I found in the Bible. So, like there was one that has just like I had had seen this so many times I had it like underlined and I was like okay this is like really fun like cool like little but it's um, Hannah's prayer in First um, Samuel I think three or four. But like the Lord just like one night I was about to listen to it and I, he was just like pause it and just like read it out loud like read it to yourself and like. There's something that happens whenever you like, speak the prayers, specifically in scripture, and it's like a really good way to start of just like finding prayers of like God, you are my rock. Like you're, there's no other rock other than you, um, and just like finding things and like it becomes your prayer. Like this person that prayed a really long time ago in the Bible, and just like it becomes something that like you can take and make it your prayer. Just wanted to share that real quick. Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to... 
then I'm just going to ask this question and see if we have any um, any discussion here. And then I have one short thing to share with you guys. If like what God was put in my heart this morning. Um, so I heard John the week before that, which was the only Sunday I got to be a part of that. I heard him share about the um, the end of Matthew 24, the beginning of Matthew 25, and about just the language that's used about the the need for us to be waiting and anticipating um, the appearing of Jesus, right? The appearing of Jesus. So that has absolute, you know, he's talking about people are asking him questions about what's going to be like at the end of time. But in our daily life, um, learning to be watching and be expectant for Jesus is really, really practical, as well as that other context. So we talked about just like the context of what a wedding was. And Trudy shared a little bit that day about um, just just reminding us and and like in the culture, um, you know, there was often a season of time where there was a waiting and in that waiting, uh, it required, you know, and just whatever, for whatever reason, whenever she said that these are probably teenage girls, I knew that historically, but I just thought I feel so much like a teenager sometimes trying to be focused and being ADD and not, not feeling like I'm really giving myself to, to being ready, to being watching and being ready, which is what's charged in, in that passage. Then John went on to talk about the um, what our what the representation of the lamps are, and I really felt um, if we did nothing for the next season in, in our lives together, but learn how to consecrate our lamps and set our lives and set our lamps aside um, for the Lord. I think a lot of times we can focus on the buying oil part, which is really good, but I think until we understand the power of like how God has created us to be lamps that shine, um, we can almost miss that. And so I left thinking, I, how do we do that? You know, how, do, how do we consecrate and, and give, our, give ourselves to be... Um, and again, sometimes that lamp is kind of like what we picture like a... a, a something with a wick and it's tapped into oil. And other times what Trudy was sharing, which I've also read culturally, remember those scriptures cover uh, uh, hundreds of years, right? But almost more the idea of a torch that's been dipped in oil. Um, And so both of those pictures are important. And then the last thing was the encouragement of buying oil. Um, So in those things, just the, the, the picture of the wedding feast and what that's like, the idea of giving our lives to be lamps to the Lord and then what it means to buy oil. Is there any places where you feel like, I have no idea what that means? Or is there some place you feel like, you don't have to understand everything, but I want to make sure that everyone has access to be able to be doers of the word and not just hearing a good message. From what I understand, not just in the book of James, but what I understand through scripture, if we just hear scripture and we don't know how to apply it, it it doesn't leave us transformed. But we continue in God's word, learning how to, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things when we were doing the book of James, we talk about the implanted word is the implemented word. And the implemented word is the implanted word. What we get pregnant with and carry is the thing that we are become doers of. So we don't want to just have, you know, be full of good theology without actually knowing how to apply it. So does anybody have any questions on that? Because if, if I'm thankful for the, I know that John felt that praying the scriptures was the most practical thing about buying oil. Um, well, here's, here's a microphone there, young lady. Hold on. Excuse me. Brad and I um, were given a book similar to the one that John gave out. Um, before we got married, and so Brad and I learned how to pray the scripture through that time, and that was, um, I honestly don't know if our marriage would have lasted or made it without that foundation of learning how to pray the scriptures and making it personal, um, and so it was very important for our, our relationship. It's probably the single biggest thing that led me to be open to an interactive relationship with the Holy Spirit was just seeing what God said in His Word and praying it. So, any other thoughts or comments?
All right, I feel, I'm, I'm submitting this to you this morning. I'm going to read uh, a passage in Philippians and then ref, refer to a story in the book of Numbers. Um, I was not expecting to share this this morning or to share this at all, but it, it came up a couple times, and I don't want to ask the Lord if he has anything and then not follow through whenever he does. So Holy Spirit, I pray that this would be edifying to us and to your, um, yeah, to your church. In Jesus' name. Um, in Philippians 2, verse 12, it says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have already have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to do, or both to will and to do his good pleasure. So in this passage is, is one, what does that, actually, what does that mean to you, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What do you? What does that mean to you? Yes, Jared. Oh. <laughs> uh, the first thing that came to mind was, uh, well, this is a, maybe a bunny trail, but Bonhoeffer's idea of cheap grace and justification not just for sin, but justification for the sinner, and how... Real salvation is forgiveness of sin and then the process of sanctification and, yeah, I guess, ridding sin out of our lives and our actions and our what we do. And so when I think of working on our salvation, I think of like continuing that process and not just being content with, okay, I'm forgiven, but um, continuing to, yeah, ask the Lord to search us and and works the process of sanctification. Anybody else have a really different thought than that? Right. Well, for the sake of time, I'm going to move on. I think that's, I think that's good. Uh, I think if you go back and you look at the word, I think it's Jesus who talks about the widow who works a little bit of leaven in. Okay, so the idea of working it, work it, work it, right? So the idea of working it, in work, it's not working for our salvation. It's working out. It's the exercising or the implementation of, right? How we are stewarding that gift, stewarding this thing that God has given us. Does that make sense? Okay. Next thing that gets said. So this is what he's talking about. Okay, why don't you work out your fear and trembling before the Lord? This because He has something He wants to both will and do. Say, will and do. All right? Next thing it says, do all things without complaining or disputing. <laughs> this is powerful, guys. Do all things without complaining or disputing. My mom had a translation that said, do all things without murmuring and complaining. And... It was not the first scripture that I memorized, but it's close. I want us, and I'm submitting this to us, I want us to recognize the danger of a negative report. In this admonition to exercise, work out, steward the salvation that God has entrusted to us because he has something he wants to both will and do. The next thing that is said is do all things without murmuring or disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Go back to the consecrating of our lamps. It doesn't give us 10 things here to do <laughs> in this place of becoming blameless. There are other scriptures that would speak about this, but as Paul is speaking to the Philippians, which if you go back and you read the book of Philippians, many scholars will tell you Philippians is the only one of the epistles that doesn't give a correction. It gives admonitions like this one, but it doesn't correct them for something specific. But in this thing, he said, I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, because there's something that God wants both to will and do in your life. Now do all things without murmuring and complaining so you become blameless 
and you'll shine in the midst of a perverse world. Right now, it is culturally acceptable within the church to complain about how bad things are around us. We feel entitled as Americans to complain, and it's the exact opposite of what Scripture teaches us that we should do. So this is one of those things that applies to the macro and it applies to the micro. How many of you have felt entitled sometime in the last couple weeks to complain about something you feel legitimately is not good? Okay. I had this thought this morning, and then I feel like during worship, the Lord reminded me of Numbers 12. I'm not going to read all of Numbers 12, uh, or excuse me, number 13, um, but it's the story of the spies who went out to Canaan. How many of you guys know the story of the spies who went out to Canaan? How many of you know the song that goes with it? Oh, mom, can you help me sing the song? No, I don't know if I've ever sung this song. This is another children's song I'm going to sing now. Oh, yeah? You feel like you've heard this one before? Okay. All right, here we go. Everybody get your, everybody get your fingers ready. Get your fingers ready. Yeah? I don't know this one? All right, here we go. It goes like this. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad and two good, good. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes of clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. Can we do that one more time? Yeah, just say yes. Just say yes, please. Come on. This is good. Hey, guys, this actually, what I want to share is in this. Here we go. Ready? Twelve men went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes and clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. All right. Here we go. This, I, I, think we need to see, I think we need to receive this as a correction from the Lord. So please listen to me. That's why I wanted to sing the nice song. There are times where we feel empowered to report things that are accurate but not true. And when we do, we become more aware of our surroundings than we are of the promise that we're pursuing. There are times that we feel empowered to report things that are accurate but not true. And when we do, we glorify our surroundings and the circumstance that we are currently in instead of. And a generation died in a wilderness because of the same thing. When we open our mouth and share a negative report. We have no idea what we're releasing into somebody else's life. What may be a processing or a rant to you could cause death inside somebody else. There is life and death and the power of the tongue and this admonition to do all things without murmuring and complaining doesn't mean except for whenever you're ranting or processing. Are you with me? <laughs> listen, listen. I think, I think in a day where we are trying to be more aware, listen to this, this is important. I think at a time where we, are, we want to be more aware of what's actually happening inside of us, we want to be more aware of the things that are taking place in our hearts, which, guys, I don't believe is any tension to this because God did not say, I'm going to take away your heart of flesh and give you a heart of stone. He said, I'm going to take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh as he pours out his spirit. So the fact that we are experiencing pain or experiencing joy or pleasure, right? There's been a false sense of spiritual maturity means I'm affected by nothing. That's not true. It's okay for me to be aware of joy of pleasure, of pain, of disappointment. But that does not give me permission to use my mouth to murmur, complain, or grumble. And we can quickly move into alliance with the enemy, who is the accuser, by complaining. I want you to see this real quick. 
God had given a promise that they were going to the promised land. They sent out spies not to decide if they should go. But when people used their eyes to report what they saw, it took away the faith of a decision that had already been made. Does that make sense? Are you hearing this? When we allow our sight life to replace our faith in the one who is promised, we can easily give a negative report that cancels out someone else's willingness to be on a journey. Joshua and Caleb saw the same things that the other ten did. But they saw the God who promised as greater than the reality of the thing that threatened them. I want us to try to just lean in for maybe three more minutes on this because I think this is important and I'm going to try to apply it for us. We right now are in a, as a church family, we are in a massive transition. And there are some people, let me, let me go back to the scriptures. Do you remember the attitude of some of the people whenever they were getting ready to leave Egypt? Right? What, what was the attitude of the people whenever they were getting ready to leave Egypt? Well, they saw God do plagues to get them out of there. So they're ready to go, but then they, within a, just a, a few steps, they begin to accuse Moses of like, where are you bringing us into the wilderness to die? Let's go back to Egypt. Right? So then God opens the waters, right? I love, I love it because God said, God said, uh, Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of your God. That sounds so good. But God said, no, you do this. And told Moses, you stretch out your hand. All right? So the waters open up. God moves his people through the water and then he destroys the enemy. They get into the promised land and they're provided for, but, or they get into the wilderness, they're provided for. When they were getting ready to move from the wilderness into the promised land, that's when this story in Numbers 13 takes place. So these people had witnessed God do amazing things to keep them alive. Some wanted to go back, Right? This generation, the multitude died in the wilderness. God was still true to his promise. Let me tell you where I see our, us as a family right now. We are in transition. We're in between a couple things. Most people, not everyone, so I know it's not everyone, but most people in our church really desire to share life in a way that's not only contained on a Sunday morning. Okay? So they would desire that there would be vibrant relationships and following of Jesus not contained to a Sunday morning. For some people, Sunday mornings is the only expression they know how to engage in when it comes to church. So they could be engaged in like super deep level of fellowship and following of Jesus the rest of the week and it still not feel like they've been to church yet because that's what they know. For other people, Sunday morning is the last place they want to be in a gathering where they feel like it doesn't matter whether they're there or not. We made a decision, we talked about it through the summer, to try to take some time this year to get more people who would be confident in their own following of Jesus, their own confidence in being like trusting God as they make disciples and lead small groups. And so we've given ourselves some to that. But what that's done for some of for some people, and I don't even I'm not even talking about to the people in the room right now. I'm just saying I've had conversations with people that through reading like you see bones I've seen an army, it's only awakened frustrations to them about other ways of the church is being done. And so it's like, in a, in, a, in a way right now, we're trying to grow and be equipped for some place that we're not yet. Does that make sense? And in the midst of that, some people feel like, man, there's no structure, or we need, we need more. Listen, this week I've heard we need more structure, and there's too much structure. 
And if you have a, listen, have, what's that? It is called growing pains. And by the way, questions are not, I'm not talking about questions, are not complaining. But I will say this, I think it's easy in this time where nothing seems settled. And by the way, that's not just something that we are going through. That is something that the, the world is going through right now. And also as the world's going through it, the church, big C, is going through it. And some people are getting in arguments. I read this week from people that I love on both sides. I read, I read this week where a pastor basically is like, you have no, if your church has been closed, you have no right to speak about anything concerning this. And I read on somebody from the other side who I also respect where they're really trying to serve people who are uh, at risk health-wise and try to be, they're really trying to walk in things that they would say is a scriptural understanding and framework. And it's like, it almost sounds like these people are fighting against each other. The scripture we read from Philippians leaves no room for us to bring accusation and complaints and grumbling and call it the prophetic. (laughs) If what you're doing is complaining, please don't call it the prophetic because there's enough of that happening and it's hurting don't complain against the government. Don't complain against church leaders. Don't complain against your, your family members. Don't complain against your friends and call it God. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Do all things without murmurings or disputings. Let's go back and just listen to the promise that comes with that. This is Philippians 2, and then I'll, I'll pray. Actually, we'll see if anybody else has anything to say. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the darkness, holding fast the word of life so you may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So I think this is a good truth. I think this is also a place that it may be a little fox that's crept in. How many of you want to be complainers and grumblers? Raise your hand, right? Anybody who's wanting that? Yeah, thanks. There's always one in every crowd, right? <laughs> Come on, whoop, 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 right? It's easy. It's easy for us to, to vent, process. How can we do that in a healthy way? How can we do that in a healthy way? That was good. I wish we would have mic'd that one up. What he said was, not only does it affect us, but it affects others who think that we, they would look at us as people who are walking in the light, so it affects the way they think that, what that looks like. I think that's, that's absolutely true, and it's why so many people are leaving the church right now. One reason why so many people are leaving the church right now. But there is an antidote given in Scripture. Right? This is not time for us to be bloated after a Thanksgiving meal. This is time to exercise and work out our salvation. What a great time to be alive. What a great time to be alive and here with each other. Working out what it means for us to follow Jesus together. Does anybody else have any other thoughts before we pray? Yes, Angie. I'm going to pass the mic over. Hello. Um, so I'm definitely convicted by this because it is a difficult. It is difficult to like find that balance of what to do when you're frustrated about situations and you just want to see like stuff happen. And like in context of our church, you know, it's it's very messy right now. I think, and I know there's like you said, there's people on opposite sides. I'm more on the structure side, and. But I can say, I was thinking about this, I would rather be in a place that is a total chaotic mess 
where the love of Jesus is than somewhere that is completely dead and completely structured. Like, that that means nothing to me. And that is why I'm here in the midst of my... Fr- you know my heart. I've, I've talked to you. In the midst of my frustrations, in the midst of my feeling very lost at times and not knowing where I fit in here, I think a lot of us struggle with that. And a lot of times it's just a ploy of the enemy to isolate us from each other and cause us to lash out at each other and, and bring division. But the antidote is thanksgiving, and I'm not. I'm not preaching. I'm not preaching. I'm not speaking from a place of of really. I'm not good at this, so I'm not really speaking from. I'm an expert at thanksgiving because I am horrible at it. But I know that is the power in saying. I thank God for you, Brad. Yeah, there are some things that you say that I don't always agree with because I come from a different frame of reference. But I love you, and I love your heart, and I know your heart, and that's what matters to me, right? Like, I could make a whole, right? I could make a list of grievances probably against anybody in this room if I wanted to. I hope not, but... But, I mean, like, because we're all... There's good good material, right? (laughs) No, because we're all... I'm saying because we're all human beings, right? Like, we're all all fallen and working out our salvation we're not perfect so no matter what I just think we're so there's so many mamby pamby Christians who just don't want to wherever what's that scripture that says about the oxen like you're there's just gonna be crap everywhere like I'm sorry (laughs) there's just like where the oxen are the whatever and, yeah, yeah, whatever that is. An empty stall remains clean, but much strength. So my point is, yeah. this church is really crappy, but I love you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but in terms of our humanity, that is true, right? Like, we're just really messy, and we just need grace, and we need love, and we need thanksgiving. And I'm just, I'm tired of just, I'm tired of they're having to be like this is the way it has to be done and not realizing our relationships matter more like I have people here who have been fighting in the pits of hell with me for three years like that's worth something to me more than oh you didn't say we were going to worship for 35 minutes and then we're like I mean that's not what I personally mean by structure anyway but but you know like some people are on that far so anyway I'm talking too long but that I just wanted to say, I'm just really grateful for this church. Like, as frustrated as I get sometimes, I just love you all so much. And, yeah. It's still, like, um, I guess I have, like, more of, like, question, like, two questions, I guess. One is, like, how, what are some practical ways, at least, it's questions that I've, like, what, some of what you're saying, like, Obviously, like there's, I don't think anyone is ever going to agree with anyone fully on a hundred percent of everything. I don't think it's possible. Um, but like, what are some ways that like we can? This is just, yeah, it's a question. But like, what are ways that we can like do that practically? Of like being like, if we have something that's like we're really annoyed with or something that we're really frustrated, like me and dad had a really long conversation yesterday because I used the word process and he was like, what does that mean? Like, were you doing that with the Lord and like journaling about something or were you just like, I'm not sure what the words that you use, but like, or pretty much were you like complaining about it and like kind of just like spiraling down? It's like, what are some like ways that we can like practically like process or like to walk out life with people in the midst of like annoyance or frustration? It's good. Let's, let's, uh, yeah, go ahead. So, um, coming from a person who's done it all wrong, and, um, Comma, I'm pretty sure all of us in here have, have, or are walking in seasons where this is a place where God's growing us, and we've all done that. I mean, yeah. I want to say for me, like, that's... Yeah, like, to the point where... I just want to cry, you know. But um, praise the Lord. He has recently reconnected me with my heart and the ability to feel joy. It's like, it's like, you know, um, 
finding an old, turning the corner and finding an old friend and saying, I've missed you so much, you know. Here you are again. And um, there is a quote from a, a doctor on YouTube who you don't need to know who he is. His name is Joe Dispenza, but he says, if we don't wake up every day <clears throat> rehearsing a vision of our future with gratitude, will be entirely predictable because we'll be stuck in the memories of our past. <clears throat> and there is the verse that says, my people perish for lack of vision. That we, we need to have a vision, and we need to be rehearsing that vision every day with gratitude as though, you know, it has already come to pass. And I think those two, that Caleb and Joshua... We're men of vision, <clears throat> and that that pulled them beyond what their eyes saw and what their feelings felt, you know. And so, but until I connected with my heart and could begin to experience joy again and could get back to peace and calm, um, I could not grab a hold of a vision, much less imagine that in my mind to the point that, that I was in wild gratitude because I saw it. I literally saw it, you know. And so I am starting to be able to dream again. I'm starting to be able to, you know, see a different kind of a life for myself, and um, so I think that, that that is part of working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That it's, it's part of the struggle to let go of the past in the sense of all of the grievances and all of the, um, the trauma that's stuck in our bodies, you know, to be able to release that. And um, and to reconnect with our heart. We really, 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 really need our heart, and we really need to be connected to our heart. Yeah. And so, uh, and I didn't know that I wasn't able to do that. I didn't know what was wrong, you know. Yeah. So. I think when we don't know, um, first of all, God's grace is there. You know, I remember when, you know, with my foot, um, seeming like if I drank water and walked, the swelling stayed down on my foot. So when the doctor told me that what I was doing was exactly the wrong thing, I was doing the best I knew how based on what I knew. God and his grace connected me to hear something different. And after a year of it not healing, it started healing quickly as soon as I got the pressure off of my foot. So when we come to places of repentance, we can't view repentance as failure we have to even view repentance with gratitude. There's places where we all walk. I mean, Angie was saying that, you know, saying, hey, I could probably come up with a list of everybody in this room. How many of you could come up with a list about yourself? Right? We're so aware of our own stuff. When David decided to take on Goliath, it wasn't David that was deciding to take on Goliath, but it was his God. And that's what we have to have when we get in a rut. We have to have the David-type faith that sees through the end of that to become the ditch. Because a ditch is a good thing. A ditch is like a conduit. It just gets things that flow through it. But when we get stuck, okay, on our problems, when we get looking at ourselves, therein lies a rut because there's no answer within. Mm 
Okay, in me dwelleth no good thing. So if, it, if I can't do it, and we don't have another resource, it's God. It's not like God's up there. God's here. God's in the midst. That's why the angels, mm -hmm. they're not gathering here just because of us. They're here because yeah. God's spirit's here. That's good. And what's good about being in a, Angie, a messy church is that when we get all these messy people together, we realize that, hey, she's got some problems, y'all. And he's got some problems, y'all. Okay? And we all have our problems, y'all. Right? So we're amongst people that we can talk to. And that's why the Bible talks about praying one for another. The book of 1 John leads off, I mean, leaves us with that praying and loving one another. Because, you know, if we don't love one another, who else is going to love us, right? We all come from different backgrounds. And I thank the Lord. I came up with a home where I was really, really loved. I mean, really loved. I was the only boy amongst four sisters so you think I need prayer now I really need prayer then right but my dad was an alcoholic and my mother was a hard worker and my mother after I got saved and my sisters got saved we all prayed for my dad for years and years and years we prayed for my dad and I'm going to tell you something I got stuck not because I didn't think God could I had faith to believe that God could. The God that created the heaven and the earth, he could. There was no doubt about it. Save my dad. But I got thinking the other side of the fence was that I didn't have a belief. See, faith is only half of it. If you don't have belief to go with faith, you're in trouble. And some of us just need to get some belief that God will. And just go ahead and trust him. Because that's, that's, when, that's when the trust factor comes in. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So if you're leaning, I had a, 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 a teacher in Bible college that did this trick. He got up. He got somebody to bring a chair from the back of the room. And he says, as far as I know, I've never sat in this chair. Anybody in here ever sit me, see me sit in this particular chair? And nobody could say yes. So I said, I don't know if this truck, if this chair is going to hold anybody up. So then he sat just a little bit of one cheek down on one corner of the chair and said, am I fully one trusting inch. in this chair? And of course the answer was no. He slipped back a little bit more, but his head still feet on the ground. Am I still trusting in this chair? I, nope, not, not yet. It wasn't until he folded his legs up Indian style that he fully trust in the chair. And it's just high time that in this dark time that we can get and see, we start seeing darkness, we need to lead trust in the one who's all full of light. So. All right, Amy's got something to share real quick, and then we're gonna, I'm going to wind this up with a request for prayer for this next week for us. Okay, go ahead. So in listening to everything that's been said, I think one of the things in my heart that's, AOX stands out. Yeah, it's messy. It's been messy for years. It's been really messy for years. And it, it but the thing that I being outside of AOX now and being in a different community, when the mess hits the fan, you know, like here, we have the core values of confrontation, accountability, honor, love. And we would review those and introduce them to the college students and we, that's, that was what flew, like, flowed through our veins. The communities that I've been involved in, those are not high priorities. And it is messy as I'll get out and it is not handled well. And people get hurt and people walk away from Jesus and people walk away from community. And so in the midst of the growth, one of the, you know, <laughs> Becky talked about like um, people of vision. There's the other side of it, which was like everybody does what's right in their own eyes. And that's because they didn't have a core vision. They didn't have a core purpose. They didn't have a core. It was all about them, and it created such chaos in the communities of Israel, and it brought them back into slavery again. 
And so as you guys are growing and as like you're working through the messiness, remember like who you guys are at the core. Remember your identity as individuals, like daughters and sons of God, but also remember your identity as AOX together. And know that like one of the parts of your DNA that stands out that I have told people about over and over and over about is, is the fact of what does biblical confrontation look like? Do we always get it right? No, we don't always get it right. But there is a place that's in our hearts to strive for that. And there's so many people out there that are so afraid of confrontation because all they've been done is biblical confrontation is tearing down and demoralizing and ripping out who they are. And that's not what Jesus does and Jesus does is. And so like as you process, as you're trying to figure out how to process or if I'm annoyed with somebody or if I'm, like go back to the basics. Like, what does it say, like, in the scriptures, that if I'm, like, really ticked off with somebody and it's not just, like, a, oh, I just took what they said the wrong way, like, you know, remember, like, we go to Holy Spirit first, and then after that, we can go talk to that person. And we say, man, like, I was offended because you said this, this, and this. I really want to be able to work this out. Are you willing to work this out? Like, can we walk through this, you know, or whatever. And knowing that, I look at faces that I've been around for years. I've been in and out of this community, and the faces are still here, and there's new faces, but it's just like, you guys, like, there's something here that holds everybody here together as community and family. And there's people who moved here, like Paul and Maggie and the family, and Monica, like, moved here from other places. Mom and Dad moved here from other places, and it's the community here. So I just want to encourage you guys, as someone who has stepped out in a way because God moved me away, like, Go back to the basics and remember who you are yeah. in the process. Yeah. I'd like for us, that's good, Amy. I think that's better said from you. Um, I'd like for us to really pray about the answer to the question. How do, how do we do this? Because I think we don't want to be in a place where we, we don't have a plan for what to do when we feel frustrated. Right? Uh, I would say what Becky shared about being in touch with our heart. And like, like I love that picture of being reintroduced. <laughs> That's so good. Um, I think that it's, it's really important that if we're going to pursue living with a healthy heart, that we don't create, um, we don't create this cauldron that has a tempest raging inside with no outlet. And so complaining is oftentimes the easiest outlet Right, So there'd be three things I would just say to get the ball rolling. But let's take time this week to really pray about it. One would be prayer. It's easy whenever I feel disappointed. Um, there, it is most easy for a complaint to form against me whenever I feel misunderstood or disappointed. Like someone said they were going to do something and it hasn't happened. So I had a conversation with someone this week that I planned on doing as confrontation. As I was praying about it, the Lord said, why don't you ask them how they're doing first? And me understanding what they were walking through doesn't mean that the situation didn't need to be addressed, but my approach to how we were going to handle that was much, much different once I became acquainted with where they were at. And my priority was not the priority. Right? So praying, so in that, in that thought, Prayer and humility. If I get frustrated at work, I've just tried to get, instead of even complaining to the Lord, because I was a master at prayer complaining, right? I didn't want to be in Grove City. God, why did you bring us to this little town? Da, 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 da. And like, that's, that's just not the same thing. God, give me your perspective. What is your perspective on this? And you know what prayer and humility does is like prayer brings us into the presence of God. Humility it, he says he pours out his grace on, on, on humility. So complaining is not typically just because we disagree about something. But we have agreed, right? I don't want to have a disagreement with Monica and have seven other people know that I have a disagreement with her before she does. Even if I don't know how to handle that. Right? But that's one of the things we've committed to is we're going to go to each other one-on-one -on -one when there's something. The goal is not to convince you to do things my way. But if we can seek to understand each other and love each other, that will be really, really healthy. So just prayer, humility, and then making sure that we are 
when there's something that comes up in our hearts, we are going to the person that it's, you know, that our con- complaint, our concern is with, and we're, we're seeking to just work out love. I don't think that's all of it, but that's a good place for us to start praying. And let's, 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 I actually feel like, I was like, I didn't want to talk about this this morning because I really wanted to make sure we were focusing on the lamp thing. But I think this is the lamp thing. This is one place for our church where we need to consecrate our lamps again. Right? So I want to pray. Um, and then I appreciate you. This has been good conversation. It's lasted longer than I anticipated. Um, but it's good conversation. And I'm glad that it's, uh, I feel like this is something we can all grow in together right now, okay? Father, I come to you and I ask that you forgive me for times wherever I've complained and use the power that you've given my tongue to report the facts disconnected from your promise. God, I thank you for the journey that you've called us to as individuals, as family, together, and as a part of your bride. Jesus, especially, forgive me for any time and every time that I speak with a critical heart against your bride. Show us how to love each other. Would you teach us now, would this not be the end but a beginning? of learning how to sanctify and consecrate our lamps, specifically in the way that we come to our, or the way we talk. God, I pray for um, every person in our community and adjacent to our community who may have been hurt because of complaining. Would you give us courage where we need to go and ask for forgiveness? And we ask your grace as we humble ourselves that your grace would wash and flood as we learn to work out and exercise our salvation. We love you, Jesus. We honor you. Amen. I do encourage you as you pray, if the Lord highlights anyone that you know that you should go and ask forgiveness because you've been complaining, please follow through with that, okay? will be our repentance offering, okay? And we'll learn how to do this together.